All right, so on this week's episode of the Strive Forward Show, I'm welcoming writer and content creator Blair Sharp. Really looking forward to having you, Blair. Um, thank you for coming on. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I, I know this was heavily recommended in my comment section on LinkedIn, <laughs> especially, so this is good. Uh, I'd love to give you a quick chance to introduce yourself. If you want to just tell the audience a little bit about what you do and how you got here, feel free. Sure. So I'm Blair and I am in Minnesota. Um, I'm a wife, a mom, a writer. Um, I also work um, kind of part-time right now at the Mayo Clinic and I work in psychology. So I administer thinking tests to patients. My title is psychometrist. Um, and no one probably knows what that means. So that's why I explain yeah, what I, I do. We're yeah. Gonna, we're going to, uh, yeah. We're going <laughs> to dig into that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I do that. Um, I've been there for almost nine years. Um, and I've been doing the freelance writing thing, um, actually for writing as, as work, writing like for money as a business only really since last fall, which would be, I mean, under, under six months, I would say, um, I've, otherwise I've been writing since about 2019. Um, that's me. Okay. Yeah, no, that's perfect. No, tell me a little bit more about the psych role. Like I want to learn yeah. more about that. And then psychometrist. How that with the right, yeah. Psychometrist go into that. It sounds like an <laughs> eye doctor, but. Yeah, I know it does, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it is in the Department of Psychiatry and Psychology. And what I do is um, I work with neuropsychologists and I see patients directly. So um, I basically, a quick rundown of what I would do with them is I get them from the the waiting room, bring them back, and I sit across the table from them um, from two to four hours and I give them tests. So not things like school, really, like I'm not giving them like those bubble sheets, you know, where they're filling out the bubbles. It's more like um, kind of like brain games, if you've ever done those on your phone or, or tablet, um, thinking, you know, memory, attention, problem solving, language, all sorts of stuff. Um, and so like I'm giving them the tests and then um, I score them. I have to write behavior observations. So I'm like, you know, constantly like trying to watch people and see what they do. Um, and then we put them in the chart and then the doctor meets with them and they do like the interpretation of the results. So I don't do any of that part. I just do the administration of the tests. And I've been there, like I said, almost nine years already, already. <laughs> that's, a, that's like ancient or like forever. In I know. Time. Like I feel oh, like the longest sure. job I've ever had is two and a half years, but that's really interesting. So I noticed like a lot of your writing, you know, is with like mental health brands right. or just in that space, parenting space as well. Yep. So do you get a lot of your content ideas or like research for your article is just like done at your other job? I don't actually. Um, so my, my job, it's funny because like my job is totally not what I, what I would have seen myself doing because when I went to school, I hated statistics and I hated like numbers and data. And that's like all I work with now. <laughs> but for me, it's more, like I said, it's, I'm not interpreting the data. I'm just like, you know, writing the numbers down, like giving them a score and then like transferring numbers, um, things like that. So the writing that I do is more, um, okay. So like I work in psychology, it's obviously mental health also, but like I'm working or I write more, you know, Um, I do a lot in the treatment space, like in recovery and sobriety and things like that. And then um, I I do some, I mean, I I loved writing about anything mental health. So like wellness and, you know, sleep and um, basically anything that can tie to mental health, I like to write about. And then, like you said, parenting too. I'm a mom, I have a six-year-old son. Um, So I really just like writing things that I'm interested in and um, kind of things that I've I'm either dealing with or know someone who's been through those kind of things are way more easy for me to write about. So, oh, yeah. And it, it, it keeps you going too. Cause that's me. Oh, it's for like, sure. I mean, my background is like, I hated all my jobs. So now I write about how you can not hate your job and either do something yourself or find what you like. <laughs> and so like, that is what fuels you. And like, it sounds weird because most people think avoiding burnout is hundred percent systems and it's not, that's only half of it. The other half yeah. is you have to care about what you're actually doing there's a purpose behind the madness something's happened right. to you in your life and using that to fuel you moving forward is is kind of where you should take yourself and so i'm curious to know like since you're so passionate about the mental health space sobriety we're gonna get into your instagram too mm-hmm. uh, 
And so like, kind of tell me the backstory of like, what led you down the path of like, so your Instagram handle is sobriety activist, you write Mm -hmm. your freelance writings in that space. So tell me some of the story of like, kind of how you got to that point. Like what, what's your journey? Yeah, that's a great question. So I just said this the other day to someone, if you took out, so I'm 37, I'll admit it. Um, (laughs) if you take out, when I turned 30, I thought I was dying. So, (laughs) but honestly though, like if you're in your twenties and you're 30, I'll say this, your thirties are going to be better than your twenties. Yeah. Like totally. I was just going to say, so like I took out (laughs) age, like 18 even to, I mean, okay. So I made a ton of good memories back then. Right. But if I took out age 18 to like, even maybe like 28, 30 ish, you could just like take that out professionally and it wouldn't matter. Like even like hobby wise, like you, I didn't really do anything super substantial during those years. Um, I just made a lot of memories and had a lot of fun and made a lot of mistakes. Um, but all of that time really kind of just like led me to where I am now. So I don't regret anything. I always say like, if everything that I did back then didn't happen, then would I even be sitting here talking to you right now? Like would everything have aligned for me to write about what I do and, um, you know, meet the people that I've met along the way and things like that. Um, I don't know. I really believe in like the universe doing its thing, you know, and like put us here for, there's a reason we had to go through everything basically. So, um, yeah, I was a big partier in college and beyond. Um, I started drinking probably like 16, 17 and it was pretty harmless. I mean, there was lots of like negative consequences. Um, but overall it was pretty harmless. Like, Um, I always say like, I was a binge drinker with no off switch and it's kind of been that way from the beginning. Like, and I learned this after I quit drinking, um, I quit drinking in 2018. Um, but I learned this after I quit drinking that some of our brains just, some people can just drink, like have one drink, right. With like dinner or something like that and, and go home and be fine. and, And just say like, yeah, that was, that was a good dinner. And I had a good time. And then there's me and some other people who will have one and be like, wow, this is like really fun. Like our brains will say that and they will want more and they more and more and more. And that's just like how my brain is. So once I accepted that, that was really uh, like an eye opener for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, obviously that's how it is. And so it was very, it was very easy to accept then that I just like couldn't drink. Um, And so yeah. I mean, I, I, there was, like I said, negative consequences. I had a DUI when I was 25 and, um, that's maybe a story for another time. Um, <laughs> and you know, lots of things, there's lots of things that I don't remember and I blacked out and made mistakes and whatever. But, um, you know, once I became a parent, it was, um, it was, I think the turning point for me there, my son was 18 months old when I quit drinking and, um, I, I mean, I just didn't like the hangovers anymore. It's not fun to parent a baby or any child. I couldn't imagine having a six-year-old right now and being hungover. I just like can't. I can't. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I don't. One day I just um, decided, hey, like I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, there was a, a little bit leading up to it. Nothing like a big rock bottom moment or anything like that. But like um, there was just a day where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I jumped into not drinking um, and I have not drank since that day. And that was um, almost five years ago. I will have five years on the 26th of February. So, yeah. Um, And then, um, you know, I get like, that's a huge part of mental health, like race, sobriety and addiction, that space. I never had a rock bottom moment either, per se, to touch on that. But yeah, yeah, there's just 20s is full of mistakes. And I think I had lots of rock bottom moments. I just didn't stop drinking. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) If that would be like a DUI would be a rock bottom moment for someone else. But I was like, oh, it's fine. Uh, You know, like I would say you fell and scraped your knee, but you didn't really hit your head, you know, like that kind of thing. Oh, it's not. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, but for me, it's like, I think like the true power comes from being able to acknowledge like mistakes like that and then just overcome them and just like own them. So like for me, I got married at a really young age and got divorced. And so like naturally, like my initial thought was like, okay, I'm about to be in my twenties and be divorced. People are going to judge me for that. And what I, then you find out when you go out there, like nobody judges you for stuff like that. 
you're only judging yourself. And so it comes down to just, just own it and be like, I made this mistake. This is why I do what I do now. And I'm so much better for it. And so, and, and so unless you do that, then your thirties, I guess, won't be better than your twenties. Then it'll just be, uh, you know, your, your thirties doing the same thing in your twenties yeah. and you'll have more, you'll have worse hangovers. So alcohol sides, I don't, I do drink, (laughs) but like, I don't have, I drink less than I used to. And I've never had where I couldn't stop. I've actually never thrown up from alcohol or anything like that. I've always like known, but my limit is so much lower now and to the point where, but I don't like anything more than like two or three drinks. I'm just over, which is so much different than even where I was like two years ago. Right. And so you just get older and (laughs) I'm just getting, yeah, I'm just getting old. You had a lifestyle (laughs) change. I'm just getting old. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't know if I would still be, I mean, I'm sure I would still be doing it if I didn't decide but like, I just can't imagine like doing it right now with like hangovers, just the way that I drink. Like I would, I would always have a hangover for sure. You know? So, so I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong. You started the sobriety activist Instagram in 2020. Yeah. December, 2020, December. So that would have been a, that would have been a couple years after you decided to stop drinking for good. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. So was it just like you just kept going? What was the mindset behind like I want to start building a brand around this? Like I'm still super passionate about it. Like what what yeah. started the launch of the Instagram and what filled that gap, the two year gap? Sure. So when I first quit drinking, I was um, I had reached out to someone, a stranger on the internet. I read a blog, and this kind of goes in with my writing and why I like writing essays and talking about the sobriety stuff. Um, I read a blog about a mom that didn't drink, and I actually just like. DM'd her on Facebook um, and was like, hey, like, I need to quit drinking, help, (laughs) you know, Um, how do I do it? What do I do? I don't know if I can do it. And so she uh, messaged me back like right away. And like, we went through this whole thing and talked. Um, And so she gave me all these resources like books and blogs and podcasts and stuff like that. Never went to meetings or anything like that. But um, I quickly found that there was a like a sober space on Instagram. And again, this was when I first quit. I made a private Instagram account with no picture, no name. Um, I, you know, I unsynced all my contacts so no one would find me there. Um, and this is really common, like for people to do that are just quitting drinking. Um, so I could interact with other sober accounts and follow people and um, you know, comment and engage with people there. And I made some friends, people who I still talk to today. Um, and I did that for about a year. And I was like, I hit, I basically hit the alcohol-free life really hard and like, just like threw everything in. You know, it's like you, you kind of leave the, I left the drinking and then I went into sober Instagram and it was literally for a whole year. Um, and then I stopped like on the year, like my year mark. Um, and was like, okay, 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 okay. What am I doing? Like, who am I without alcohol? Like, I'm not, I need to figure that out. So I, I didn't post again on that, on that page. Went about my normal life. You know, I didn't talk much online about like not drinking or anything like that. Um, until 2019, when I started writing for this local, it was a parenting blog um, in my city. And right away, the first couple of months of being there, I wrote a blog called No Thanks, I Don't Drink. Um, and it was like all about my decision to quit drinking. I think that was one of the first times that I really like in my, you know, like my circle, my in real life people like knew, not that they didn't know, but like that I just kind of like laid it all out there. And that blog actually ended up being the most read for that site in the whole year. So that was kind of cool. But then, um, yeah, in 2020, um, so I knew that this like sober space was there on Instagram and, um, And, you know, I had my personal page, just like we all just have personal pages with, you know, our kids and dogs and whatever. Um, And so I followed a little, a little sobriety stuff there, but I never really posted about it. But then in 2020, in, I think it was November, um, the orange juice brand Tropicana had this campaign called Take a Moment. And it had celebrities. um, So Tropicana sent these celebrities. So it was like Gabrielle Union and... Charlie O'Connell, I think that's his name, and Molly Sims, these like mini fridges, and they were filled with Tropicana and, um, you know, champ- champagne. Is that what it is, right? For, um, I remember that, yeah. Mimosas. You do? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so, so it was like, mm, like, it was all like a, it was like 
geared toward parents too, right? So it like there was a video of Molly Sims in her um in her closet and she was like, Oh, this makes me the best mom. She was hiding in her closet from her kids and she was like, This this makes me the best mom. Right. And so like cringe. And it was up for like a couple days. And then, yeah, the sober community went like crazy and like just like tried to take it, take them down, you know, Um, and actually like page six came out with an article about it and they took they took the campaign down. And so at that point, I was like posting on my personal pages about that and like, this is an outrage or whatever, you know, (laughs) and of course. And then I yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I really like talking about sobriety and alcohol free. I mean, I, I call myself alcohol free. But um, I really t- I like talking about that stuff. So like, I'm gonna make a page, and um, the on the page six article it said sobriety activists were gobsmacked when they saw blah 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 blah. And I was like, oh my god, I'm a sobriety activist. So that's where the sobriety activist name came from. Um, and and from then I just started posting randomly and um, meeting more people and um, figuring out how to use Canva and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Canva's and the, the that kind of I know. And that kind of served as my um, kind of like daily writing practice or, you know, like it was a, I posted daily there um, up until I found LinkedIn, of course, last year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that account has now grown to like 18,000, over 18,000 followers. Um, it's dropping though, because I haven't been, I haven't been very active since September when I found LinkedIn. I found a new love. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, I get that. It's hard to show up everywhere. I mean, I post everywhere, I can't. but when it comes to like audience growth and like really making an impact, you, one person can't do it across so many platforms. Right. I mean, originally it was to help other people, right? So like I've had multiple people where they've um, messaged me like on their like day one of wanting to quit drinking. And then I've also been talking to them the whole time. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, I just hit a year. Like, so I've had like multiple people that have clearly I've helped. Like, you know, I'm not really interested in like really growing that account really big. Um, But I like to keep it around because I like to have that, that link to, you know, the sober community and it helps, you know, with when I share my articles, I like to share the articles that I wrote about mental health and sobriety. Um, I like to share other accounts, um, posts and stuff on my story and things like that. So it's crazy just how impactful like one account can be in such a short amount right. of time. Do you find that that's like been your favorite part of that account? It's just like those little messages where people reach out, like this helps so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like, and so it's also amazing how fast it can happen. Like people will start making content on any platform and they might give up in a month or two, but realize you're only a month or two more away for every day someone can message you. Every day someone's like, thank you for this. And it's just like insane, actually how fast all that can happen and how fast your life can change like between networking and impact. It's amazing. So you, you're ditching Instagram for your new love LinkedIn. <laughs> so when did you start becoming active on LinkedIn more? September 21st, 2022. So you got the day yeah. down. Yeah, I well, I had looked, I had gone back and looked. Yeah, yeah. End of end of September. Um, I was a lurker for just a really short time because you know I just love social media. So like there was not there was no chance that I was just gonna lurk for like months. Like no, I don't even know how I found LinkedIn. I had no idea. I mean, I, obviously I knew what LinkedIn was, but I didn't know it was such a content creation platform. You know, and so um, yeah, I found it and pretty quick. I just like started posting random, just posting. Posting, posting, posting. And I mean, yeah, I've been posting daily. I, I wasn't posting on Sundays. And then someone suggested I write about cheese on Sundays. So, you know, you can't turn that down. <laughs> um, so I started writing about cheese on Sundays. And um, yeah, so now I post every day, which is fine, I guess. It's fine, you guess? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, the original plan was not to post every day. It was, you know, to post every day, but Sunday, um, I post memes on Saturdays. Um, but then I have no plans like during the week, I just post whatever, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I won't write about cheese forever. (laughs) There's gotta be like, I'll run out. Right. Like eventually, I don't know. (laughs) But then people are like on Saturday, people are like, Ooh, I can't wait for your cheese post tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. So there's like a couple people who like are waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm like, 
They're depending <laughs> on me for the cheese content. Like I need to be there for them. <laughs> so I'll it's continue. So how like <laughs> quickly one can be associated with a specific. I item know, right? Or... <laughs> yeah. So yeah. okay. So you said you don't really have a content strategy. Then is am I hearing that right? Well, when I say that someone says, yeah, you do your content strategy is just to be relate relatable and whatever. And like, yeah, I don't have like, oh, on Tuesdays, I post a fact or, you know, Wednesdays, like I don't have content pillars. I just, I don't have intentional content pillars. How about that? I don't have an intentional strategy. I just post kind of whatever, whenever. I mean, of course I post in the morning, like I post the same time every day because that's convenient for me. Um, yeah. But do you, so do you, create every day you just decide what you're gonna write um I have a backlog of ideas like you know um I try to do like the cheese and the meme I try to do the weekend ones like a little bit ahead of time if I can but even like the Sunday I was writing the finishing the cheese one on in the morning um but I, I have like a backlog of ideas I've been kind of like I haven't been very um I haven't had a lot of great ideas lately. I mean, okay, they maybe they are. I just don't think they are. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's crazy I have, how the the inside eye is always different. Than I know, I know, right? <laughs> like, it turns out okay. Like, I'll have like an idea, and maybe I'll just write it down. You know, like I have like a document that's called like LinkedIn posts, and I just write ideas as they come. I don't like full on write out a post, but then I will sit down. Like, I try to do it the night before, but sometimes I don't. No, I understand. Like, I mean, I've had periods where I was like so hyper organized with LinkedIn and I've even had times where I've been like scheduling posts a month in advance. And so when it goes through, no, like, I forgot how do you do yeah, that? Like, I forgot. So there was actually a time probably two or three months ago where, because I had written them so far in advance, I had to like go and re read my post to remember what the heck I talked yeah. about that day. And right. then I could respond to comments. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Honestly, at this point, I don't do any more than scheduling it a few days in advance, if ever. I mean, just two days ago, I was literally in the bed at 10 a.m., just lying there resting for a few minutes. I was like, all right, lean to in post time. I typed it up in two minutes and just posted it. And so it's just like, I think there's a couple things to that. Number one, like we both have a writer's muscle that maybe like a beginner wouldn't have. So we kind of know what the vibe is. But number two is like also just not overthinking it. Like there's no reason to to care like your post could just be something you thought of and wrote in two minutes and that's okay and that might be what goes viral you never know <laughs> right yeah I feel like I have too much to say to like schedule them out too far in advance because I would I tried to do that with Instagram I tried to write them up and um sometimes I would have like a backlog of like more like quote kind of things um but I felt like something would come in my mind and then I would post that one anyways so it wasn't like um, I don't know. It's never been beneficial to me to to have them in advance. Too yeah. far. Maybe a couple of days, so, but that's most. So then, so then I'm curious to know, like, other than I know you're not hiding with the Sobriety Activist account, like your name is on the account and everything, but has yeah. it been different not having that particular theme when you come to LinkedIn and it's just you and it's just your name? No, I love it. I love it because you're kind of it's kind of specific, right? When you're, when I have like in the Instagram, it's like, I can't really, I mean, I could, nobody wants to hear about like mom stuff on a sober Instagram. Like they want to hear about sobriety. Like that's where they're following me. So like, I can't really write, you know, I, I, I was sharing some like parenting articles and, and those don't get very much, much traction there. So like, I mean, that's what people are there for. Right. So like on LinkedIn, it was kind of nice to write about business and freelance life and, um, writing and, um, anything else, you know, like, um, it's just been a little bit more variety and I've liked that, especially since that I've, now that I've been doing writing a little bit more, um, a little bit more seriously, I guess. And like, um, kind of trans, um, transitioning into this like freelance writer, that I claim to be now. <laughs> <laughs> that you know you are. You gotta own that. Blair Sharp, freelance writer. Yeah. Slash I can't even remember. Psychometrist. The word. <laughs> Psychometrist. I was like, it's the it's the I word with psych. Well, you're at the not front. gonna get it. Um, you're not gonna get it. <laughs> but no, it's like so I totally relate to that. So when I started yeah. writing online at all, at least in terms of like a personal brand building thing, it was on medium. And yeah. 
I started writing on I just Medium followed. I just reason... followed you on Medium today, by the way. Oh, yeah. Get those numbers up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the reason I started there was because it was kind of this safe space to just write about whatever I wanted. And I have so many interests that sticking yeah. to one topic would drive me crazy even down to like my niche like people will say you know the riches are in the niches and you need to hyper niche down and I'm just like okay like I understand like I'm not saying you're wrong but I'm also saying I'll drive myself crazy and be bored right if I do that so that's why I'm like business on LinkedIn I'm not marketing I'm not data I'm not any of that I'm like I'm gonna talk about all of it (laughs) a wide range yeah it gives you more room yeah but I've also found that Honestly, when you stick to one topic, you get one particular and very specific kind of follower. And then you also just Mm -hmm. have like this echo chamber in your comment section, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I don't like that either. So one of my favorite things about LinkedIn is like, there's a lot of courageous people out there that will disagree with you in a more healthy way, as opposed to if someone's going to disagree with you on a different platform, especially if you're running like an anonymous account, they will just be like really negative. And so I, that's my favorite part about LinkedIn. And yeah. I've also just really leaned in more to just expressing more and more of my interests, especially like in the self-discovery, like personal growth space. Yeah, I love I that think stuff. that's like an incredibly important part of our lives, regardless of whether it's work or not. And so I'm just like, we're going to talk about this and I'm going to post about this because I care. And so y'all can care or you could not like whatever. But it's also that's also one of the good reasons to go to another platform. So you went from Instagram to LinkedIn, like I'm branching out to Instagram so I can even lean heavier into that. So from a business perspective, and you know, Mm because you're a freelance writer now, a very successful one, (laughs) you're not a wannabe. Thank you. uh, Has has LinkedIn been a good source of leads for you so far? Or have you generated new business from that? What's going on there? Um, So I didn't here's the thing about Instagram and LinkedIn for me, i never went into it with an end goal or like a purpose. I didn't go into Instagram to like become a sober influencer and like make money, even though, you know, that kind of happened. I've done brand collabs with NA brands and like other things like, right. So like I've made money off Instagram, but I was never went into it within that, with that idea. And I think that's why I grew. That's why people like gravitated towards me because I wasn't trying to sell them anything, you know, same with LinkedIn. I just joined for fun. Like, or I was already joined. I already joined, I guess, but like I started posting for fun. I didn't really go there to like find clients because I, you know, I have a a day job and I'm doing part-time kind of both right now, writing and um, working in my day job. And I don't have time for like more clients, you know? Um, I am going part-time, like officially, hopefully by summer, but um, I I have gotten jobs through there. And I think it's just been, it's been easier because I didn't have expectations of that. So I haven't been like, oh, I'm not getting any jobs, you know, because I'm like, oh, if I get a job, that's pretty cool. Like, it's kind of just like a bonus. Like, it's more for networking, um, you know, making friends and just, I I just like to talk. So like, (laughs) I just like to like write and like say what I think. So like, that's a perfect place to just like every day, just put something out there, you know, um, pretty quickly. Like when I started, I want to say with in the first month, I had someone reach out to me and ask to help with um, LinkedIn posts. And I've been writing posts for them since then. Um, just cause they liked the way that I wrote. (laughs) Um, just because they liked the way that I wrote for them. Um, or they like the way I wrote my own post. So then they wanted me to write for them. So that was pretty easy. I could just like write in my own voice for them. And I've been doing that since I've been doing like 10 a month or so for them. And then um, there's been a few people that I have like made like good connections with, which like making connections, like good connections is way more exciting almost than like actually getting like a new job or like not like a job, but like a new writing gig or something like that. Like, I love when I make a connection and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a great connection because, and then you could like say, you know, where it's going to lead you. But like, I've had people say like, oh, you should go chat with Blair because she does mental health and you're, you know, making a mental health website. And like just these connections that could like lead you anywhere. Cause like one connection can lead me like seven different places where one job is just like one job, if that makes sense. Um, so I've had like lots of good connections. I, I've done, um, 
I've also like the connections will also help for writing, especially because people will just like send you and I do this too to, with other people, like send pitch, pitches, like when people are looking for writers or um, looking for articles and topics and things like that. Um, people are like, oh, I know that Blair writes about parenting. I'm going to send this to her. And and so like the, the freelance writing group kind of just does that and, and we'll take each other when, um, you know, somebody's asking for uh, just happened yesterday. Somebody tagged me and like a, someone was looking for mental health blogs. So. That's really cool. And that's like the cool part about networking. Like I would have never had that if I was just still on Instagram, you know? Yeah, no, I think that networking is the number one reason to create content no matter what. Yeah. Like anybody that just starts and only wants the money, it's not going to work for you. I'm yeah. sorry. But and you're going to get disappointed. You have mm -hmm. to. You're going to get disappointed real fast when you realize like that's a grind and <laughs> it's going to drain you. But when you start building, so number one, you're going to build a network and you're going to have an audience of people. But number two, you're going to meet other creators with an audience of people. And so as you build these friendships and connections, like you'll find that like all of a sudden, even if you only have 10,000 or 15,000 followers, you know, dozens of other people with the same amount. And so it's almost like this right. million people network that you actually yeah. end up having access to. It's really exciting. I would love to go back. So if LinkedIn, you know, it's more about the fun connections, etc. So if someone was wanting to start freelancing, just like you did, what would your advice be? Like, how would you tell them to approach that? Yeah, so for someone that maybe doesn't have any like published uh, work, any writing, I would say to get some. <laughs> and the ways that you can do that would be um, you can search, just like do a Google search and put like in quotes, like whatever your um, topic of choice is, like, let's say it's parenting, you would write like parenting plus guest blog, um, or even just parenting plus blog. And then you can like find all these places that want guest blogs. Um, they want you to either, and they'll literally tell you what they want, or they'll write the email. You can just send people an email and say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to write a blog. You really just need like to be published somewhere. Uh, Medium is great. Like that's okay. You know, um, it, it's, it looks probably a little bit better if it's on someone else's business brand it website does. publication. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but I've seen it a lot does. of people use medium. <laughs> people, I've seen, um, I've seen a lot of people use medium for, for like part of their portfolio and that's fine. I mean, all you gotta do is prove that you're a good writer. Um, so um, get some published clips. I made a website like right away because I had all those, um, from that, uh, local blog that I was writing for. I had a bunch of on like published online, um, articles. So I just needed a place to put them and I needed to be like, here's my portfolio and send it to whoever, you know? Um, so once you get a few of those, um, having them all in one place is good. I know there's some websites that, that allow you to do that. I don't know the names of them, but you can Google that. Um, and then, um, you just kind of start, pitching um if that's the way you want to go like so i did a lot of like one-off publications at first like i you know wrote for insider and scary mommy and um, parents.com and um sarcastic mommy there's like just a bunch of um random places that i wrote for um so but those are just like one-off things so like you write it it's done you know and then like last fall was the first time that i really was like okay i'm gonna try to get some regular work and that's that's that might be a little bit harder for people because you have to look for somebody who actually wants a writer, right? Like, um, and is willing to pay you this regular whatever per month. Um, so there's a lot of job boards. Um, the All Things Freelance Writing website just started a job board. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, you could literally just type in freelance writing job board. Like, I love Google. Like, Google is my lifesaver. I wish I could, I wonder if you can track how many times you Google something a day. Cause I bet mine's like a <laughs> lot. It's a lot. Um, and that's, what, that's how I learned how to do everything is just like YouTube videos, podcasts, um, other blogs. Like that's how I learned how to do all this stuff. So, um, there's lots of great resources out there. If you just look for them, there's a lot of newsletters too, where people like compile hundreds of pitches per week. And there's pit, uh, people want who want pitches, um, for writing, and they just send it to you in an email, you know, for like 50 bucks a year or $10 a month or whatever, whatever the charge is. Um, I'm on several of those who, that I just get, you know, twice a week and I just scroll through them and delete it if there's nothing or send it to somebody else who might be interested. So there's lots of resources out there. You just got to look for it. I typically say you, you need three parts. You're going to need, well, you really only need two, but I like to add the third. 
And so one is outreach, two is portfolio, and three is content. So if you do all three of those, like you're pretty much guaranteed to start making money. Content is not required. You can start and do the other two and never become a content creator or build your brand at all. You can be totally successful in that way, but man, does it make it way easier. <laughs> and just, and then the networking, which we already talked about. Mm -hmm. And so especially yeah. with like the portfolio, I would say, yeah, there's so many guest blogs opportunity. I mean, regardless of how big you get as a writer, everyone still does guest blogs from time to time. It's just a thing. Like if you can get on a particular website, so don't think like that makes you look like a rookie or a newbie. I don't consider guest blogs per se in that category of like free work, um, which I don't usually recommend as opposed to like yeah. a business. A guest blog is like a feature of yourself because you're always going to get the backlinks. You're going to get all of the recognition from that. Like, like people pay to get in Forbes. People don't write for Forbes for free. Like it's, a, that's how intense it is. But that's it. You got to have an outreach that works for you. It doesn't have to be a phone call. It can be email or DMs, whatever. But the only thing I would add is like, especially for a place like Medium, you know, Medium can be okay. If you're going to go the public route of on your own website or Medium, mm -hmm. I always say like, you need to not focus on just writing it. You need to then be able to prove, prove it's driving traffic. And so, mm, especially yeah. on Medium, like they have the stat section where it's like, this is where your traffic is coming from. This is how many views you're getting. So even if you can't get guest blogs or you're not very good at pitching yet, focus there and make sure it's actually driving traffic <laughs> and then prove that. So that's another way too. That's a good point. I, I wrote a lot on Medium last year um, and I really liked it. Um, and it, the last time I wrote was like September. So I, that's one of my goals this year is to start doing that again. I would like to like make my better performing LinkedIn posts into blogs maybe you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, all the stuff that I've written on Medium is so sober stuff. And I wouldn't have done as well on Medium as I did if I didn't have the sober Instagram where I can share that and then they can go read it, right? Like there was a couple months where I was making like $200 a month. Like that's kind of a lot for someone who just started on Medium, you know? So someone who doesn't have like this personal brand, it's gonna be a lot harder for. So when people ask me for advice, I'm like, well, I have 18,000 followers on Instagram. Like it's it's not the same, you know? So the same with LinkedIn, like it helps if you start building a personal brand. Like if you look good on paper, people are going to think you're good, right? Like, I mean, you have to obviously back it up. Yeah, I've tricked the so day. many people. I look great on paper, <laughs> you know? But you know what I mean? Like you have to, that's, that social proof is huge. That social proof is huge. Speaking of the social proof and like you mentioned yeah. followers, I'm actually big on like, just a concept of, you know, your follower count doesn't suggest like how good your content is or isn't. No. But it does, it does bring like social proof. Do you think there's a certain like blend of both of those things? Or how do you feel about follower count? And how do you react if you see someone has a little follower count or a high follower count? It's so funny because <clears throat> before I had more followers on Instagram, I I look at some accounts now that I thought of that were like so big back before I had that account, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. So you forget like what people think of, of you or of like an account like that. Like you don't know what people's perceptions are. It's kind of all people's perceptions. Right. But like, um, I, I'm also like, I'm hesitant because I feel like I'm really good at noticing fake followers on Instagram. Like it's pretty easy to spot on Instagram. I don't know. Is that, is, do people do that on LinkedIn too? But like Instagram, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. Bad. But I haven't noticed it as much. Yeah. On Instagram, it's like, okay, you have 20,000 followers, but your posts get like five likes. Like that's not like you, um, you're fake, you know, like you're buying fake followers and then that's just wrong and it's not going to do you any good. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I also like, haven't, everyone likes being liked, right? I mean, like, that's just like human nature. Like everyone likes to have lots of followers. No one's going to say like, I hate lots of followers. Like you're lying. So like, it's cool, but I don't really focus on, um, I don't focus on like the impressions and stuff as much anymore. Like I just kind of focus on the engagement in the, in the comments of my posts. Um, and I don't know. I'm still like growing on LinkedIn. So it's just kind of, I mean, I mean like that fun, Oh, look, I'm almost to 4,000. Like it's, it's like, it's like fun for me right now, but I'm not like dying to get 4,000 followers. You know, I've never, I haven't made a post <laughs> yet about my followers. Like I might've slipped I've it in a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did that on Instagram though. It's like 5k, 10k, you know, and then honestly it got a, it, it didn't get as fun the more, the bigger I got, which sounds, sounds weird. 
like, you know, I'm not like focused on it anymore. It's like, I'm at 18. I'm like, all right, 18 is good. I can sit at 18 for a little while. <laughs> Do you find that like, there's just more pressure the higher your follower count gets? Cause like, wow, every time I post, there's more and more eyes on me. Yeah. And for somebody like me who tries to make a uh, valuable comment, a response to every single comment on my post, like right now, even it's like, it's, it's a lot. Like I, it's a lot to keep up with. Um, so I can't, I don't even know how these big, you know, people complain like about the big accounts, like, Oh, they're just saying like, thanks. Or they're not responding to my comments. Like, do you know how hard it is to like respond to 200 comments? Like that's a, it's a long time. It takes a long time. So, um, I like to do that. So, so it's not as bad to stay kind of around like, you know, maybe 5,000 or I'm not gonna be mad when I get like 10, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's about like the connections. Like I said, like, I'm not here for followers on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm here for the connections. And I feel like I've already made so many good ones that it's like, okay, what's next? Like what? I just started like, so it's, it's wild to think of like, Cause I know LinkedIn is just getting more and more popular and the more, the majority of people like aren't even posting on, on LinkedIn. Right. Like it's just more like people have accounts and so like, it's just starting. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is exciting. Like, where's it going to be in two years, you know? So hopefully it's not like more food pics. And even though I love food pics, but like, you know, I hope it doesn't turn into like Instagram or TikTok. So I made this post like back in December and my, it was just one of those, like, here's my LinkedIn predictions for 2023. Yeah. And I was like, it's going to look like Instagram. And that was basically the whole post. Like I went into why, like you're going to see carousels, <laughs> yeah. which we've seen a ton of. Right. And like more and more pictures and starting to see a little bit more video. And then yeah. I was just like, LinkedIn is evolving and it's evolving fast. And it's evolved even since I started posting on LinkedIn, which was about seven months ago. Like the whole platform is completely different. And I think it'll be completely different in seven months from now too. So it's just interesting. Um, speaking of like when you mentioned you don't really look at impressions. So I've always been torn on that because I think there's the most valuable way to grow, especially if you're new, is like look at what works and look at what doesn't and then yeah. like lean into what works. On that though, like the other side of me is also like, look, if you focus on just like entertaining, energetic or valuable content or a blend of those and you do it long enough, it doesn't matter. You will grow. And so on the other hand, it's like, you really don't have to pay attention if you don't want to. You're a case of that. And so if you want to grow fast or put a ton of energy into it, you can. But really and truly, you just keep going and going and going. And you'll look back in a year or two from now and you'll be like, wow, I'm like way further along than I ever thought I would be. And so it's like, right. I'm always torn inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, and you don't know what other people are getting, like impressions wise, you know, like I've only had like maybe two or three posts that have hit 10,000 impressions, but I'm getting like a hundred comments on all my posts. You know what I mean? Like, so it looks really good, but I'm, I'm not actually, it's not being like seen to like that many people. I feel 5,000 people like that just doesn't sound, it sounds like a lot, but it's not. Yeah. So like, I don't get that. Like I'm getting like 2000 impressions, but I'm getting like a ton of comments. So it's like my people that do follow me are really loyal and they'll comment and I've made these friendships and stuff, which is fine. That's great. I don't, it's just a, it's just an interesting, um, and it's interesting comparison, I guess. Yeah. And that, that just brings me to why I don't care about the algorithm at all, because yeah. even like a month ago, I would make every carousel and they would instantly, they would all go for like 30,000 impressions, like pretty easily. And now wow. I can do the same thing and it's nowhere close to that. And so it just, it just goes to show that like the algorithm is the algorithm. It can change every day. You acting like you have it hundred percent figured out is a lie. <laughs> and right, so right. the only real key to audience growth is to just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just it. make good content, right? There's, just make good content. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no secret. Don't try to hack anything. Don't right. try to do that. Just show up, write your yeah. content, comment on other people's content. Yes. Um, don't that overthink bothers me it. Too when people don't, yeah, when people don't respond to everything like once you're big you can't do it like you mentioned but right if you're a creator and you get two comments on your post you better freaking respond <laughs> right and then you're wondering why why is no one seeing my post because you're not there to like answer the question or or say yeah that's a great point john here's what i think you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh so i'm curious to know so obviously you work you freelance right you make content on multiple platforms and you have i'm a mom and you're a mom. 
So I'm curious to know, like, what are your go-to methods for balancing it all? Do you have anything specific or do you just make it work to the best you can and just do it on the fly? Um, I wouldn't say balance. I would say sustain is a better word. <laughs> um, okay. There's no real balance, right? Like, it's just like, make it work. Um, you know, right now, I like I said, I like have about two days off from work a week right now where I sit in front of my laptop and I do writing or I do podcasts or whatever. Um, podcast, this is like the first one or a second, maybe, but um, business wise, freelance wise. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just like know how much time I have. I carve out the time that I need to do what I need to do. I try to get things done ahead of time. That's like a big thing for me. Um, I had a blog due today and I waited until today to like really finish it. And it, I did not like, I do not like that. I like, I wanted to work on it last night. So I just didn't have to do it today, but I got it done. It's turned in. Um, I mean, I always get it done, but like, it's just, you know, I like to have the time more, more than enough time really. Um, yeah, I just make it work. I really don't have, I mean, I, I really like to sleep. So like sleep is always a priority for me. Um, I usually get up at 445 every day, 446 to be exact. Oof. And yeah, and I do some stuff in the morning. So I have about two hours before I go to, to work. Um, and then I know, you know, that the my husband and son come home at 530. So if I have like after this, even I'll have maybe an hour before they get home to work on some more things before they get home. But at night, I usually don't do anything unless I really, really have to. Um, I usually just put my phone in the kitchen. I don't check it that much. <laughs> um, sometimes I do. That's the, okay. But... <laughs> so now we got to the real productivity tip. There we go. Put your phone put your away, phone right? <laughs> yeah. I, I put it in the kitchen. Um, and then we, you know, my husband and I try to watch like a show or something every night. My son goes to bed about seven 30. So we have like an hour and a half. Sometimes I go to bed around nine. Um, just doing like those simple things, like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, moving my body, um, going to therapy. What else? Oh, yeah, Those therapy. things. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast episode. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been going to therapy for about a year and it's been great. I went in with no plan again. I'm just like a no plan person, which is weird because I love plans, but I went to therapy with no plan. I just was there like, Oh, let's talk about my day, you know? And it turned out to be like, prioritizing things and organizational tactics and planning my life and like dealing with all that. So yeah, I'm, I've just been making it work right now. That's really all you can do. Yeah, it is. Especially when you got the kids involved in all that, like there's yeah. just, there's only so much, you just got to make it happen. Um, that kind of segues me into kind of the last topic before we get to the very sure. end where I close this thing out, but it's like self-care like obviously being yeah. so busy therapy is one. So like, do you have like self-care practices and what does that look for you or what does that look like for you? For me, just being really selfish with my time is self-care for me and, and time and energy, I will add, um, not doing things that I don't want to do. Like <laughs> I don't do anything that saying I don't, no I really don't. Superpower. Right. Saying no. Um, I mean, I hang out with friends. I probably should do it a little bit more, but I'm very social lately. I should, I'm proud of myself actually. Um, but I'm very much an introvert. My husband jokes, he doesn't think I am, but I'm an outgoing social introvert. Um, so I've been doing yoga for a couple weeks every morning. And I found even just like a 10 minute, like I do 10 minutes of yoga. Like I just type in 10 minute yoga on YouTube and I pick a different one every day and I just do it. And it's like a game changer. I think it's like the deep breathing that really, really helps me. So that's what I've been doing. Um, going for walks is, has been really good for me. And you know what? Watching reality television is one of my favorite <laughs> things to do for self-care. Um, I and, love trash TV. Yeah. And like eating, eating sweets or whatever I want, um, that kind of stuff. And just doing nothing sometimes is self-care. I think we're always so busy. Like there's something always going on. We're always taking in information. We're reading, we're listening. Um, music has been start has started to become a thing for me too. Like lately, I, I always haven't been, a, I haven't been a music person as of late, but um, I'm trying to bring that back because I I'm always listening to a podcast and I need to like give my brain a break, you know, with the in information input. So I've been trying to listen to more music. Yeah. That's me with uh, books. I find that if I start reading too much, 
occasionally yeah. I need to just like go play a video game or something and act like I'm a right. child again. But yeah, self-care is like different for everyone. And I think that's something that a lot of people learn too late almost is they think self-care is just like sleeping or spa day or whatever. But self-care is a lot of different things. Self-care is whatever you mm-hmm. need, like energy wise. Even like, for example, today, like you hated finishing up that blog post. Yeah. Like, but self-care for you is oftentimes just getting it done way early. So you're not stressing about it. And so like, that's a form of self-care. And so I think like a lot of people should rethink what really stresses them out and what fixes that. And that's your self-care. And it doesn't have to be anything like go get a massage. Although I would get a massage every week if I could, of course. Well, right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So before we close out, I want to know what's one book that you would recommend that changed your life? Well, I mean, I'd have to say um, for changing my life would have to be the book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And that's a, um, that is like a a quit lit book. So it's like a quit drinking book. Um, So if you're not really interested in that, then maybe that's not for you. But, um, but it's kind of like just assessing your alcohol habits and and whatnot. But um, that one, that one changed my life. I don't read a lot of books because I just don't have the time. I feel like I will read for like 10 minutes before bed. Sometimes the last book I did read was in the creative arena by Tony Albrecht, um, who I met from LinkedIn. And that one was a quick, like if it's a quick read, I can do it. Um, and that one was all about creativity and that one was great. Um, I also listened to his podcast weekly. So that's a podcast, the in Linky in Linky land podcast. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot of extra time. I really don't have a lot of extra time for books and podcasts. I do a little bit here and there. You know what I mean? Like it's hard out here. (laughs) If you could figure out how to give me some more time, that would be great. Oh, that's what we all need. Yeah. Um, If I could trust me, I would sell that and I'd be a billionaire and then I would just do whatever I want. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well then I just want to give you a last chance. Like where can everyone find you on social media? Yeah. Um, so my website is blairsharp.com and then you can just find me on LinkedIn and, um, also on Instagram, I suppose, if you want, if you like that kind of thing, uh, sobriety activist on Instagram. Awesome. Well, Blair, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. I hope you had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's fun. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time.